So welcome to another episode of Women, Stories and Faith. And today I've got a lovely lady on that I'm really looking forward to interviewing, a lady who's very passionate about gospel opportunities and everyday friendships that she has. She's been born and raised in Liverpool um, and she's recently had a big birthday, not 50, not 60, but we'll leave it at that. And it's lovely to have her on today. Welcome, Dot. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's lovely to have you on, Dot. And I just want to let all the listeners know that I know um, when I asked you about this, um, I think everyone needs to know you you were very humble about it. You said, I don't speak in church. I don't like to read um, in church. And I get very nervous about those things. Um, But hopefully today this isn't too nerve wracking for you. And I I think everyone needs to know, Dot, we had a good chat the other day, didn't we? And that was just meant to be a little introduction to this. And we ended up talking for an hour and a half and we didn't get any of the recording done. So hopefully today we'll have more success. Thank you. (laughs) I know. Dot, can you tell us just a little bit about yourself? Um, Well, as you say, I was brought up in this city. I... um... I was your average teenager in the 60s. I met husband in the late 60s and we married in 71 1971 lovely and you've got two children got two children Niall and Claire Niall's 46 and and Claire is 44 wonderful and then you've got a few grandchildren where you've got I know you've got I know the two lovely ones in Liverpool gorgeous girls but I know Niall has a few as well doesn't he yes Uh, Niall has Reuben Luca and Tabitha and Claire has Anya and Kezia. Lovely, lovely. Oh, it's great. And and I'm sure you're a lovely grandma to them all. I'm sure they treasure you dearly and love ha- spending time with you. It's been hard in lockdown, though. Tell us a bit about, I know you've been very busy in lockdown, Dot. What sort of things have you been up to? Well, the Lord always keeps you busy. <laughs> and as one door shuts, another one opens. So um, we weren't able to see the grandchildren, etc., which, you know, we, we were very blessed with them. So we used what we were given and you have to use basically what's in the area. So you've got neighbours and you've got people yeah. who are vulnerable, who are needy. Um, yeah. Um, so what do you do for them? You cook. That's the best thing. You cook them meals, you cook cakes scones whatever um, and you told me dot before before lockdown that you were planning and um, was it a charity event and you'd bought a lot of food in costco <laughs> which you thought was going to be used for a charity event yeah. isn't that correct um i bought it a week or so earlier and um i'm a good shopper i like to get good value for my money and i bought all the food and i actually prepared some that i could that I could freeze and three days before the event, um, we were hoping to raise money for a deposit for um, a house for special needs adults. And, Brilliant. Uh, or adults with learning difficulties, should I say. And we were having this event. We've had them before. And we yeah. decided to cancel it three days before because we felt it was a little bit risky. But the yeah. event I had there was I had an enormous amount of food so that has been very very useful in lockdown in making meals for people fantastic and and I know you you said you were planning originally you were planning to make how many lasagnas did you say 
10. That was my 10. Yes. Yes. Which is impressive. So you just say this very casually, you know what you do in lockdown, you just cook for other people. And, you know, cooking, I love cooking, but the thought of cooking for other people all throughout lockdown fills my heart with a little bit of fear. But it's definitely one of your gifting stuff. And I know we're going to touch on this throughout today's um, podcast. And we I think we'll have to come to a secret agreement that after lockdown, you're going to take me to the side and really teach me how to bake and <laughs> cook for many people. Can we can we get that um, little agreement in now? Yeah. Yes, we certainly can. But as I, <laughs> as I said to you on Saturday, um, I I would dread the thought of um, having to do a Bible reading in church because I believe that punctuation and everything is vitally important in a reading. And if I'm so nervous and I get it wrong, it can give a whole different meaning to the verse that you're reading but ask me to cook for a couple of hundred people and it's not a problem so we have to say that we've all been given different gifts and we can't yes. expect to do some to use somebody else's gifts yes absolutely and i remember years ago doing um the spiritual gifts course in bridge and i found that really helpful and i think things like that you know for people who maybe aren't sure oh i don't know you know where my heart what my gifts are you know and it's it's lovely for you and I know you know for other people to find what they're good at and then use that you know um in many great ways which I know we're going to hear about today so I think we'll keep going because you've got so many stories that I'm hoping to hear today Dot but I think it would be lovely if you didn't mind sharing with us how because we know you're a Christian I met you so I've known Dot just for the listeners um, and the first church I came to in Liverpool Bridge and I knew that what I knew of you over the years you and your husband Dot and Alan was such hospitable people always had a full house when you went round there was always um, a house full of people and lots of lovely food and I always heard like wonderful things about your um, small group and things and I know personal friends who have really appreciated having you as small group leaders over the years and all that you have how well you've served the church that way and it's just lovely to get you on now because I feel like after the conversation we had the other day that I actually now know you at a, a whole other level which I'd heard about before and I'm excited to share with other people so Dot would you mind sharing with us how you became a Christian yes uh, I I was um, I went to school at uh, Sunday school as a young child but then when yeah. I got to the age of 14 15 I thought there was more to life than going to Sunday school and church and uh, although I believed there was a God I didn't know him and I hadn't really in my defense been introduced to him mm-hmm I suppose that's that's about it. And then um, when I got married, we married in the church. Although Alan was an atheist, mm-hmm. he, you know, we we didn't think it, it wasn't an option. We were get, getting married in the church, and mm-hmm. I was only twenty one when we got married. And then um, I had Niall when I was twenty three, and I wanted to return to church for whatever reason. I felt that um, my childhood had been brought up with Sunday schools, brownies, all the rest of it. And I wanted something, some sort of moral grounding for Niall. It, that was the only way I can explain it. Mm-hmm. So I did to go along to the local Church of England church. And I asked Alan, would he come with me to support me? 
he came for, he said he'd come for eight weeks, but he came for about six and he said, no, it's not for me. So that was the end of my little church mm -hmm. <laughs> when uh, Nala was a baby. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, I discovered there was a church in the area that was, um, they sort of had stuff on during the week for young mums and that sort of thing. So I got there and I got quite involved. I did, I ended up running the youth club. Sunday but it was uh, it was difficult because it was boring and the children found it boring mm -hmm. and they Niall in particular would say why have I got to go to church if dad doesn't go and but then this church had a trip to Billy Graham in 1984 mm -hmm. and 84 had been a difficult year as had 83 and um, I obviously was searching but didn't realize mm -hmm. that and when we were uh, had the opportunity to go to Billy Graham, I decided to go, but Alan insisted on taking me purely because it was LFC ground. Um, and there for the first time, I believe I heard the gospel. And I realized that I was in the middle of the road and that was not a place to be. And about, I went forward and gave my name in and Alan almost flipped. We um, didn't discuss it after that. And then two weeks later, I was driving my car home from work and I just looked up and said, right, Lord, I haven't got a clue what I'm doing mm -hmm. here, but I'm sorry for all the things I've done in the past and I will try to be a better person with your help and I want to be a Christian Brilliant. and I'm sorry all the things I've done wrong and that was basically it just in the car yeah and that was from really hearing um about Jesus from Billy Graham at Anfield brilliant yeah. Yeah. yes that about sin and the middle of the yeah. road they were the things yeah so so okay so you became a Christian and Alan flipped now I think you said to me that somebody from the church came to your house and I don't think Alan was pleased with that was he that's right. Somebody turned up one Friday night before Alan was home from work. And when Alan came, asked me to ask this man to go, which I did. And after that, Alan almost fell apart because he'd almost, he'd always thought that, you know, if you were a good hard worker and, you know, got on with your life and protected your family, that that was it. And he felt some sort of warning bells that, things were not right and he wasn't in control of whatever was happening yeah. to me and he pleaded with me to stay in the church I was at because he felt it was mm -hmm. safe those were his words so did so did you honor that did um, you stay in that church then I did I did I did because something inside me told me that nothing nothing I didn't understand salvation I didn't understand that I, I knew afterwards that had I have died then, I knew I would have gone to heaven because I'd asked the Lord into my heart in a very simple way. I'd asked for forgiveness of sin. Um, and I knew I knew I was right. a Christian, but I just had no teaching and no growth. And when I tried to take one of the children's um, Gideon's New Testaments on holiday, Alan saw it in the case and... He chucked it out. He said, you know, it's a bit heavy for all that, you know, for a holiday. 
and yeah it wasn't easy because I I didn't know where where to go or who to go but you obviously had this desire to read the bible you obviously wanted to kind of read it and learn more but yeah yeah, but Alan was very against that I knew I had to do that I knew I needed to read the bible I told the minister in the church that I'd become a Christian and he said oh good so you become a member now and I remember feeling uneasy about that thinking well there should be something Mm -hmm. else but he didn't he didn't offer anything for me and I just went in the wilderness mm-hmm. really for my goodness yeah okay so it was a tough tough time then so you became a Christian and and you you know you kept going to that church and then something must have changed along the way a bit more did it Doc? well yes and um, that was in 84 and prior to this because um, we'd had a daughter that was ill and our friend's daughter was dying of um, a rare cancer and our friend's son actually died at the age of eight and this was all happening all around 83 84 i had thought there had to be more than more than this to life so there was an awful lot going on in my head that i, I couldn't cope with her was very confused about and um in February 85, I was going to church as normal. The children were on the school holiday uh, with Gilmore School. And then um, Alan, Alan was getting ready. He wasn't washing the car mm-hmm. on the Sunday morning as he would do that. And he was getting dressed and he said, I'm, I'm going along to church. <laughs> and I nearly dropped. So he said he was going to this little church under the bridge. And I said, I'll come with you. So we went along. Right, you went in. Goodness, just like that, something changed and that he just wanted to go. Yeah, he he always felt that once he had, he'd changed his job, once he'd got the right job, the right thing, and Claire, our daughter, was improving almost, you know, weekly with her health, he felt that, you know, everything would be all right. But it wasn't, and he always says there was okay. a missing piece and and that so that brings him into us as well really which we are we are one aren't we and that uh, that would be his testimony because you went along that Sunday and I know it's it's your testimony but I just loved when you shared um, with me on Saturday about um, Alan and how he had always gone to visit his dad and there was a man who always waved at him and said are you saved yet and spoke to him and this man you know obviously he didn't really know him or anything and anyhow, so that had gone on before for, for um, I'm assuming, a few years, was it? And then he went to church on the Sunday. You sat in the back row. And as you were slipping out, yeah. um, Pastor Bill, who if people don't know, that's the pastor of the Church Bridge Chapel, who was the pastor of the, this little church under the bridge. He came running after you. And I think it's worth saying, what did he say to Alan? Well, this man that Alan saw every week, it was actually through work. He saw him every Friday and every Friday he would say, are you saved, son? And this guy terrified the life out of Alan, but he liked him. He Mm -hmm. liked him. So when we went to church this Sunday, I must say, although Alan wouldn't go to church, he, he was a really good dad and he threw himself into everything with the children, with sports days, school, everything that went on in their lives. And there was a guy that used to come in and speak at harvest festivals and Christmas carols 
services and things and that was Pastor Bill Bygras and our children were both keen swimmers they both swam for Liverpool and they loved all the sports and we used to meet um, Bill Bygras the pastor at these occasions and we'd all be screaming for our kids to, to win you know and um, so we knew of this guy so when he was speaking in this church we knew he's we knew he was the minister there if you like but he came tearing down the aisle on that first morning in february 85 and he said it's alan gallagher isn't it and alan yeah so he said my dad's been praying for you for x amount of years and that was the guy that we alan used to meet every Brilliant. friday and that that was just incredible yeah. you know it was like Oh, here's your goosebumps. Brilliant. So you started, so did you both then decide to go to that church then? Was there something there that you felt that you wanted to go there? Uh, I didn't. Alan, Alan started going there and, in, and then Niall went with him. But I continued at the other church as I'd promised Alan I would. And I did that for about a year or so, 18 months, whatever. And then um, I decided I would join him at Bridge. But prior to that, um, a guy called Tony Taylor had taken Alan under his wing a little and he used to go running on a Saturday. And we were in like a swimming club as well. And um, he encouraged Alan to go to the evening services because they were studying Adam and Eve. You've got to appreciate there were only about 40 people in the church at this time, quite a few young ones. Um, which which sort of made us think. But anyway, um, Alan started going in the evening, so I was going to my own church in the morning, and then I was going to Bridge in the evening with Alan. So, yeah, um, so that was, that was a turn-up. Alan's mum thought he'd gone, he'd flipped because he'd started going to church and different things so that, that was an interesting time for the family really to see Alan at church yeah. and then there must have been a point where you decided to move churches yes yes I decided to that I would um, tell the minister that I would be taking um, um, finishing my membership there and he wasn't happy at all um, I thought he'd be happy that yeah. we were going worshiping somewhere together yeah. as a family, but he he was quite he was quite alarmed that I wanted to do that. So that was all difficult because I had friends there, and they started telling me I was taking the Bible too literal and I was making the wrong move. But we knew it was the right move because we knew that the teaching we were learning more. Alan was learning far more than I was in the few months or year or so that he went there than what I'd done all my life, really. Goodness. But I still thought to stay so that Alan could do it on his own. Was that, was, had Alan he become a Christian was... at this point? I know he was going along to church, but no. no. He just no, going no, along, yeah. No. Um, yeah, he was going along. And he started, Alan doesn't do anything lightly. He, at the time, he was he used to go windsurfing and everything because he Go, he'd get all the books out. So he was getting books out on cults and things just to make sure what was yeah. right and wrong and what, you know. Um, and um, at the time, uh, we were starting up like a, 
a growth group, I suppose it was. They, they were only just starting them because it was a new church, really. And uh, Dot, Bill's wife, the pastor's wife, was pregnant with Mark. And I offered to have it in our house because our room was bigger. And Alan would come in. I asked Alan and he said it was fine to do it. And then every Tuesday night, he would come in sort of halfway through from work. And he'd say, don't worry, I'm just observing. <laughs> and then in 86, uh, September 86, he came home one day and he, he looked in the mirror and he, he said to himself, I really want to become a Christian, uh, but I never will because I'm not good enough. And that was when he realized he never would be good enough. And why would Jesus have to die? And, and that's when he realized that he'd become a Christian when he he prayed, he did all the necessary things that you have, you know, you you want to do. And he became a Friend. Christian September 8th. And that was a big wow, deal, massive, really. Massive. And you were both in your 30s then, so you didn't come to faith until you were in your 30s. That's... No, and the children were growing up. The children had both made professions at this time. Before their dad, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then you got baptised, but you didn't get baptised at the same time, did you? No, um, Alan insisted. We were, um, at that time, the baptisms were thick and fast and baptising many, 15 people ago, easily. So we both got baptised the same year, but different times, because Alan really felt this was something he had to do on his own. And I respected him for that. So that was and it. lots of people came to see him get baptised, didn't they? Because he was an atheist. They, at the... <laughs> they could not believe it. We invited every one of our friends, work colleagues. Uh, I think we took along 30-odd people, family and friends, and they were just, they just could not believe it. And when Alan was actually going into the waters, he said, um, it was quite sort of poignant, really. He said... Um, for anyone who's out there saying it's okay for him, he said, you know, don't kid yourself because this is this is a miracle that I'm going in this water. Goodness. Um, because it really was yeah. it really it really was a miracle because he was never going to become a Christian. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Oh goodness. So I don't know. You're both so yeah. our lives there changed completely because we were doing everything together and it's so much easier you know when you see people who are not equally yoked mm -hmm. which we didn't understand that terminology you know but um it's so much easier yeah. because it's it's not easy being a christian it's not easy um entertaining and having you know trying to get non-christians in your home and doing stuff and it's not easy it's hard work yeah. and if you're not in it together i don't know how it i don't know how you can make it happen to yeah, be honest it's tough it can be very tough for people definitely definitely so it is a blessing to um that you have each other so, yeah. so you have a lovely and home we, dot and i know that um very early on in, in your walk, you both were quite, um, had the same mindset about what you wanted to do with your home. Absolutely. The home belongs to the Lord and we've never been 
I, I hope we've never appeared materialistic about it. We like nice things, we like nice food, but um, we don't, you know, we don't cover our home. It's 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 for everyone, and we've always wanted to do that. So you you you've really been very um, intentional with all your neighbours. You've really got to know Absolutely. them over the years, haven't you? Yeah, you see, we've been in the same house for 40 odd years. And in those early days, we used to have a mission week every year. And we would do lots of um, coffee mornings. Um, we would have a meal and someone would in, um, would interview Alan or I. And why do you do this? Why, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And some neighbours have come and gone. Some of the original neighbours, we live in a close. So that makes it easier in a way. Um, and we always, when people move in, we always make a point of telling them. In fact, we there's a younger couple who, who live in the road. And one day when they moved in, I took them the obligatory box of chocolates or bottle of wine or whatever. And I said, by the way, I said, you know, on a Sunday morning when you're having a lie-in, we're the weirdos opposite that are going up to church with our Bibles. And, and you know, but it's... It's important that they know, and then when something comes up, it's much easier to ask them once you've broken the ice. You know, sometimes it uh, not amuses me, but I don't get it when people say, well, I've asked all my neighbours to come to the carol service, but nobody will come. And I always say, you have to earn that right. I take five years of calling on them or noticing when somebody isn't well or helping with a child or whatever, you know, an elderly, but whatever, doing something for people. Um, and then you almost earn a right um, and they expect you to invite yeah. them. Yeah. You know, so it's it's just using what you've got. And even, even and, in lockdown, Dot, you've been out making them all scones and all sorts, haven't you? Yeah, it was funny on VE Day because um, I wanted to do something in the road. So I, I donned a, a Union Jack dress on and I made a huge, huge tray of um, jam and cream strawberry scones. And I just went to every house and I, you know, and um, I had them, I had all the numbers worked out so everybody could have sufficient, you know. And it's nothing, you know, I didn't, I didn't preach the gospel. Um in fact, someone asked, you know, if I was collecting for some, you know, money for um, a charity. But the thing is, nobody else did it. Yeah. And it went down, it went down a bomb. Everybody thanked me so much for, and you know, um, and, you know, you, you've just got to do what you've got to do. And there's people in the road who are ill. There's people in the road who are young. There's people in the road who are vibrant and they've got kids. And you try to, sometimes I rack my brains thinking, how can I help that that particular house today? Yeah. And that, that's my, my mind. My husband says, don't you ever stop thinking? You know, don't you ever stop like normal people? <laughs> I know, but it's lovely because I even, you spoke the other day, Dad, about how... You make all these meals for people and, you know, you'll drop them off and you'll go around where the need is. And and I said, do you, how, how do you know who to, to you, I think you said to me, oh, I've got two made. Um, I know where one's going, but I'm not sure yet where the other one's going to go. And I asked you, you know, how do you decide 
where you who you give the food to? Um, I think the Lord puts it on your heart. Yeah. Um, I'm not very good with routers because I'm not very reliable. Um, because things always happen. You know, I, I'm. I've got a friend who you know, who's called Anne, who now lives down south, and she calls me the drama queen. And we joke, we joke about it, but I will, I will, I seem to be able to make a drama out of nothing because I'll be making a meal for somebody and have it all sorted, and then I'll get a text of someone to say so and so, so that meal gets changed immediately <laughs> to somebody else. And then I have to start making the meal I was originally making, and then I don't do what I was going to do that day. <laughs> yeah. But you, but I love that though too because I I just think when you say that that you know people really matter to you and they matter to Jesus. You know people are important to God, and I I just love that approach that you know you take time for people whether that's um on your street or whether that's when you're. I've heard stories about you dot witnessing to people in um David Lloyd in the jacuzzi. Is that is that true? <laughs> yeah. Um, one day I um, I'd, I'd damaged my piriformis and I needed some heat, so I went in the um, sauna. It's not something I, I go in normally, and it was an evening. And this guy walked in, and he um, he had a tan, and he had a gold chain on his neck, and he, he you know. So he sort of walked in and sighed and I said, oh, that's a big sigh or are you always like this on a Monday night, you know? And he said, how long have you got? So he sat beside me and he poured out his heart. He told me all kinds about his life, but the bottom line was his wife was now ill. So I said, you need to go to church. I said, do you pray? Do you, do you have a church? Yes, I do have one locally. So I said, okay, tell me your wife's name and I'm going to pray for her. He said, will you really? I said, yes. So I saw him two weeks later and um, he came up to me and he said, are you the lady I met in the sauna? So I said, yeah. He said, well, I've been going to this church. And he said, I come out feeling worse than when I go in. But you were telling me that you should come out, out of church. Sometimes you come out of church thinking, Oh, I can't match up with that but you come out encouraged and you know right how am I going to work on that this week but um, he said I don't feel like that can I come to your church and that particular weekend we were going um, to Stratford-upon-Avon with the family for a family birthday I said I won't be here but I'll get someone to meet you which I did anyway this guy started coming along and this guy got baptised. My goodness. And he was in his 50s. Fantastic. And we, so what I did almost immediately, I introduced him to Alan because I thought this isn't a good, a good connection. You have to be yeah. wise. So I said, oh, I must introduce you to my husband. And, and we did that. We went for coffee. And then he started going out for a curry or something with Alan. Yeah. And they still, they're good friends now. My goodness, that's lovely. And even when you go to your mm. local Indian restaurant and everywhere, you just seem to end up building relationships with people. Well, you just, I mean, somebody said to me, how do you get involved about talking about church? But, you know, our pastor's really good with little chitties. And one of them is, you know, 
spiritual things naturally and naturally things natural things spiritually and that's spot on because if you really have a passion for something i mean if you're a football supporter and you re you've got a season ticket and everything else people know you are people know who you who you are and what you stand for and that but something far more important is that why shouldn't you share that passion because you know you may be the only christian they will ever yeah. meet or you, they may not meet another christian for many 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 years and you may never ever see any fruits of what you have done at other work i used to get disappointed when people would say no i can't come but then you realize no it's not about that it's you know it's about the spirit working in their heart and god's timing is always on time he's never in a hurry so someone prayed for my husband for 14 years you know an old friend and 14 years isn't long with some people some people say i've been praying for my husband for 35 years but it's God, it's always God's timing. And don't give up on people. Don't think, oh, they're not going to become a Christian. I'll move on. No. <laughs> You've got to keep on and keep on. And I, I love your um, attitude, Dot, to the um, Christmas carol service, even in your street when you invite them every year. And I think you just casually yeah. say, you know, come, but if you can't come for, you know, a glass of wine after type thing. Yeah. Because they've always got to, um, I think I gave you an illustration and I can say about our neighbours who have since left um, the road. But um, when we moved in the house, the weekend they moved in, we were having a fundraising day for the children of Kabira, which our daughter had been working at in um, Nairobi, in the slum area. And they came and they said, we would like to help. Um, what are you doing? And and they did. And they said, but whatever you do, we don't do church. So please don't, you know, breathe church down our neck. And we didn't. We just carried on, you know, and everything. And then um, it was Christmas and we invited them all to church and all for a glass of wine, cheese and wine or cake and coffee, we say. And that, that doesn't offend anyone. And they came to that, but they were really... Um, unhappy about the service because they, they came back to the house afterwards and they said we thought we were going to a carol service why bring the easter and the cross oh, yeah. into service and we said well that's where it starts and that's where it ends for you know and it's it's it, you've got to have the whole story and but they didn't get it anyway that february the the wife's dad took ill and died suddenly he just died had a heart attack in the chair and he came tearing around saying you've got to come and do something dot you've got to come and help her i don't know what to do with her he'd had a very strong um, roman catholic upbringing he went to school with a private school with brothers she had a jewish upbringing but he didn't know what to do with her so we ended up, she asked me to help her with the funeral. She asked me to help her with Bible readings, et cetera, et cetera. And I didn't ask her to come to church. I, I prayed about it. And then one Sunday afternoon, I saw them going for a walk. And I just suddenly, I felt the spirit say, you could have at least asked them. 
So I phoned them up and I said, um, would you like to come to church tonight? And he said, no, thank you. And she said, oh, I would like to come and my daughter will come with me. So they came along and then they came, they were, they came regular attenders. Um, a year or two later, my husband had a birthday and we had all the family around and uh, Niall and Claire wanted to say a word, you know, some nice words about their dad. And this lady, I won't mention her name, came tearing into the room. She said, and I want to thank them for introducing me to Jesus. My goodness. And that, that makes it, doesn't wow. it? That, Lovely. You know, these people were never, ever going to, they didn't want to know. But I must just tell you a story as recently as today. Um, my daughter has had neighbours and when she, before she moved in, I went to garden and I spoke to the lady who I was, this was the neighbour, and um, I said, oh, I, I know so-and-so who lives in this room. They go to our church, what church? And this lady said to me, whatever you do, we don't do church. Please don't bring church into our lives here. So I thought, okay, fine. Um, however... Claire has really, really, I won't say she's worked with them. She genuinely loves them. Yeah. And they feel that genuine love. And they, um, they've really responded. And now she'll be saying to Claire, oh, what's on next? Um, is there a carol service? Don't forget, I need a seat. Yeah. And, you know, but um, two weeks ago, he, he had a heart, a heart problem. So Claire took him to the hospital with her. And they just thought he was going to get some medication. He ended up needing an ECG and everything else. And his arteries are blocked. And he's a very, very fit guy, cycles, face everything. Anyway, he had to go back for um, um, results today. So I text this morning and I said, um, I was praying for you this morning. And I just thought I'd let you know that. And I hope, you know, and pray that the tests go well today. So she got back and said, thank you. I'm just sitting out of the out outside in the car. And then I photocopied Proverbs 3 and I sent it to her. And I said, you know, sometimes we really don't understand. We have to trust yeah. in, in God. And my prayer today isn't that Phil will get good results. My prayer is that you learn to trust in him. And please read these verses and, and see that it really, we don't understand it. But all we do know is that one day we will understand and all my answers will, all my questions will be answered. So I just sent it. I just both, you know, sent it in, in, my camp, in my phone. And she wrote back and said, thank you. And then tonight she phoned back with, results saying he's got to wait another two weeks and everything else but thank you now that her response may not seem much yeah. but because at the start she was saying no to church lady. yes uh, don't do it don't even go there quite quite firm she was you know about it and but today I just thought well you know what have I got to lose because it's harder when it's your friend it's easier when it's a friend's mm -hmm. friend. 
because if she doesn't want to see me again, that's yeah. fine. You know, if I've upset her, that's fine. And I think, I think you have to, I think genuine people want to know how you are genuinely. You can't push it down their throat, mm -hmm. but you can say, what I do, we say thanks for the meal before we mm -hmm. eat. Why do you do it? Because that's why we do it. Well, you always tell people you're a Christian, one friend said to me. And I said, but your husband's into football. He worked in football. And I said, you've got a passion about that. What respect would you have for me if I felt passionate about something, but I, I didn't tell you? <laughs> and she said, I get it. You know, point taken. So I think people are, she said, but not all Christians tell other people. Not everyone goes around saying they're a Christian. I said, well, I don't. I love music. I love lots of things. I love food. You know, uh, you know, we have lots of other conversation because I think there's always a danger if the only thing you talk about is redemption and, you know, the blood of Jesus and salvation. I think people would start thinking, oh, you know, give us a break. But if you, if you talk to them about things that you, I always look for a common denominator. Yeah, lovely. All, oh, I think that's, that's a real root it's a common denominator. So when you're speaking about someone, I'm immediately thinking, who works there? Who goes there? Who swims there? Who, you know? Lovely. Yeah. And, and is, you know, when we meet someone, it's a doctor, I say, oh, how, well, you know, and this has happened since I've spoken to you, something, something else happened today. <laughs> um, and, you know, you just, your mind is going all the time looking for a common denominator. So, Dot, I think we could talk all night. And sadly, these podcasts, we have to keep them to a certain length. But I could listen to your stories all day. And for the listener, I've heard many more of these stories that you've not even had a chance to share today. Um, and one of the things that um, struck me with you, Dot, is... Every, and from knowing you as well, and I know lots of listeners don't have that pleasure, but you are very natural. You're a real talker. You can just, you know, I know that I can introduce you to any of my friends, Christians or non-Christians, and you would just be able to chat to them and be interested in them and find out a bit about them and share, your, you know, something about yourself with them very naturally. So a lot of it's very natural. But the point that struck me was, even though it's very natural and you naturally just make friends with people, invest in them, you know, remember them, get to know them. Um, even on holidays, you make friends with people. And, you know, I know you've got lots of stories there about your French friends. But um, what also strikes me is how, because you remember all the times that um, you have slipped in, you've had hundreds of conversations with maybe one friend, but you'll still remember the time that you've slipped in you know, oh, something about the intentionality about yeah. bringing in church and whether I, mm -hmm. you know, and I think for some people, it's like really hard. How do you bring Jesus into it? And yet I think, you know, even throughout all these conversations at some point, it's almost like you trust the Lord's going to give you time to, to bring it up. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, because you can't, you just can't steamroll into it. It's, and you know, when people, you know, the reaction and you know when they've had en enough or you know where to say, oh, I won't go there this time. Yeah. You, you just know. 
yeah. because you sense because you want you want to still be having conversations with these people in five years time yeah whether or not they know the Lord you don't make friendships in the hope that they'll come to know the Lord yeah you make these friendships with people genuinely and you grow to love them and when you I say to people but we love you and you know for, you know forgive us if if we want to show what we believe in yeah but it's important to us because it's life and death yeah. Yeah. but um but you've got that know. you've got that friendship with them um to fall back on yeah. haven't you they know that you're genuine that yeah. you know you, you know you have been there for them yeah yeah exactly because otherwise it's false yeah yeah if you just try to make friends to get them to join your club yeah that's not all we've got friends that we've had friends for over 40 nearly 50 years that alan and i have still got these friends and some of them most of them are Christians. Yeah. But they're still off. Yeah. And they still, we still enjoy each other's company. Mm -hmm. But they know we're Christians. Yeah. And they know that's different. And when there's a problem, they always ask us to pray. Now, they may never, ever, ever become a Christian. My dad lived with his grandma in Wales when he was little, until he was about six. And he remembered her reading the Bible in Welsh to him on his lap. Now, my dad went through the war and he said that he was ashamed of what he was asked to do in the war. And when I became a Christian, he found it hard because he said he could never become a Christian because God, he didn't feel he could forgive himself. Um, but my mum and dad became Christians in their 70s. Now, his grandma never, ever saw that. Yeah. You know, so you can't have this urgency that you want to see people saved because you may never, ever see it in your lifetime. And yeah. got... You have the desire for it. You have the desire to see them being yeah. saved, but we've got to accept God's timing. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And you've got to do that. And do you know what? It actually takes all the angst out of it. Mm -hmm. because you know, all you can do is be their friend love them do you know and sometimes it means getting involved in maybe some things that you wouldn't really choose to be and we did that at the weekend a neighbor invited us and um the language wasn't so hot you know mm -hmm. but we find with people that after a few times they say oh sorry didn't mean to say that yeah you know um yeah, absolutely somebody did that with me last week and they said oh there's a funny text there comes through oh i'm not sure if there's a swear word in that i'm sorry if it is um, you know now yeah. this is christian so because this is the world we live in yeah this is the normal yeah. language we are the different people and we've got to remember that yeah and while we it makes us uncomfortable we still need to to be there with them building relationships and I hate you know to make it as much as them and us type thing and um, because I think you don't live your life like that thought you treat everybody and um, the same and I think you yeah. from, you know from what you said that like you treat everybody you meet the same with the same respect yeah. Um, yeah. and that just speaks volumes I think we're nearly out of time dot so we're going to have oh, to wrap uh, this up but you know the one thing that I would love you to share 
if possible, before you go, um, just as a finishing kind of thought for for me and for others, hopefully, is you know you, you mentioned that every day that you 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 pray alphabetically. Oh yes, <laughs> yes, I love the sound of this. Tell us more. Well, during lockdown, you know, I, I, because Alan cycles a lot, I I walk, um, and I pray alphabetically. So um, I go through the alphabet but then many people fall into it in, in many, you know if there's a man married an a married to a c obviously they they get prayed for you know different times and together and what have you and then normally i phone them you know just a quick call and i'll say i'm just out walking on the prom or in the park or whatever and they've just prayed for you um how are you doing do, 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 do. now these are sometimes Christians, sometimes non-Christians. And, and how does that I, go down for the non-Christian getting a phone call saying, oh, I'm just out of praying for you. What can I pray for you? Does it go down well? Don't get any, um, never get any flack. Lovely. There's always other stuff, you know, because I said, just walking along the prom and I was praying for you. How are you doing? How is your daughter doing? Or what did you do with that? I was thinking about you on that one and do, 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 do. And you say, oh, well, you know, you should say, oh, there's, and, and then I go on to a different conversation and then finish off and say, well, okay, I'll finish praying for you. And they say, oh, yeah, thanks for that. We too, or something like that, they may say. Yeah, but, lovely. But, you know, nobody has ever said don't, except one, yeah. one lady in France who was really, really angry. And she had a heart attack and was airlifted by helicopter to, to Bordeaux Hospital. And she was really angry. She'd been really angry with me because she'd be not been feeling well. And her husband was in the helicopter with her and she didn't have a handbag with her. And she phoned our friends who live in the Pyrenees who are also French. And because Jean-Marc, her husband had Jean-Paul's phone number and she phoned him and she said, will you phone Alan and Dot and ask them to pray for me? <gasps> was about really? Yeah, and that was about two o'clock in the morning. Oh, Rene Paul, and these are all non-Christians. Rene Jean Paul phoned us the next day, and she said Natalie was taken ill, and she phoned us and she asked us, "Would you pray for her?" Wow. Yeah. So she's yes. the only brilliant. Said, "Don't pray for me," you know. Um, at one yeah, point. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. So, Dot. So, no, we don't. I think that's. No, I think that's a great story to finish on. And I think that's encouraged me to think through who I'm praying for and to be really intentional about texting or picking up the phone and even ringing people and saying, do you know what? I'm praying for you today. I love, I love, really find that so inspirational and really helpful. And it's, I think I'm going to try and do that more. Definitely. <laughs> that's really good. Honestly, I really love that. I just love the fact that. Um, and the people probably with the phone rings, oh, here's Dot, you know, and knowing that you're genuinely interested, wanting to know how people are. And and people do notice, you know, this is the lovely thing about lockdown, getting to know our neighbours a bit more. And I hope I know in our street that we don't lose that because I know even in our own street, there's people who haven't been well and be able, being able to check in and say, and funny, one of our neighbours, her mum wasn't well. And I kept asking her how she was. Now, I'll be honest, I haven't been brave enough yet to say I'll pray for her. And that is what I need to do. But when I went up one day and asked how her mum was doing, she said, Jeanette, can I ask, are you a nurse? 
are you a nurse or something? <laughs> because I get baskets. Uh-huh. And, you know, and, and I walked away kicking myself because I didn't say, oh, well, actually, I'm a Christian and I'm praying for it. I totally let the Lord down with that one. And, and I am going to do it. I will do it. And this even this conversation is encouraging me to say it. And it's just something. Why do we you don't hold back? But why do we hold back? You know, it's so frustrating I, at times. If it's something so important to us. Yes, I know. And it, when I hear people praying, oh, oh Lord, make me bold enough um, yes. to tell so-and-so that I'm praying for them or make me bold. And I think. Oh, I know. But, you know, that's, this, these stories, Dot, are why I, I've done this. Uh, do you know, Go we're on. all different because, you know, you'll be bolder in other areas that I'm not. And we've got to remember that, that we are all different. Yeah. And God uses us all in different ways. So yeah. it's like I can't, I, I mean, I look at my friend Lindsay and the way she does all these podcasts on the Sunday and everything. And I'm so proud yeah. of her. But I, I couldn't even get there. I couldn't, I don't think I could turn up on a Sunday. <laughs> a five to eight, I was almost going to phone you and cancel. I know, I thought you were because I, I got from that text before. I thought, oh, definitely I'm nerves here. Really, and I'm really, really glad you haven't. Thank you. But, but please, I'm really glad. Yeah, when you are think, just say, just be brave and just say to people, I am praying for you because what are you going to lose? I know. I, I, I do it more with people that I know, people that I've built friendships up with. But I think on the street, because I don't know people well enough yet, I haven't taken that step. But with people that know me for a little while, I will quite openly say, oh, I'm a Christian or, oh, do you know what I've been praying for you? Yeah. But just with people that I just don't know yet, it's that first sort of moment that you mention it, isn't it? Yeah. And, you, you know, you don't know how it's going to go down. But we have to, we, we, you know, this this conversation has really, really encouraged me. And Dot, we could talk all night, but we, we will have to bring it to an end. And I do want to say a massive, massive thank you, because I know this was stepping out of your comfort zone um, so yes. much, even to do this online. And I know on Saturday after we chatted for so long, you sort of said, oh, why didn't you just record this? When, you know, <laughs> oh, so thank you for that. And I just hope if anyone's listening today that they've got something from this podcast and they've enjoyed it and feel free to share it with any friends and things. Um, but thanks for listening. And thank you, thank Dot. And God bless you. And thank you, you too. for doing, because I couldn't do what you're doing now. Oh, well, I have to. I, I don't know what I'm doing. I, I don't have a clue. But they, they, this, this has encouraged me today and I really appreciate it. So hope everybody else has. And hopefully, um, yes, hopefully we get to see each other soon, Dot. Thank you. 